I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Why speed work in the off season is the best plan. The holiday season and winter is quickly approaching. Run for PRs has been coaching since 2013, and we have noticed a common pattern over the last eight to nine years in the running community. Athletes are super motivated and love to go hard most of the time, but then come November and December, a lot of people just lose their desire to train. Maybe it's the lack of races, or maybe it's just a natural break in training. But what we do know is that runners who stay the most consistent long-term usually see the best results. It can be a really hard time of year during this holiday season for runners who want to stay motivated to train for something, but they feel that there is no sense of direction. There's nothing to train for. There's no marathons coming up. The fall is jam-packed with tons of half marathons, full marathons, and races all the time. But we tend to notice during this holiday season, there's just not a lot of races. But we are here to fix that problem and propose a solution for your off season this year. I have with me today Jason, who has been coaching for over a decade, and he is a runner himself and has struggled with the off season time of year. Just living in Minnesota, there's just not a lot of motivation to get out there and run during the winter months. But we've also had seasons during the winter where we've really crushed it with training and been able to have more of a focus. And that usually comes from setting these goals and having something to work on and goals to be training for. So a lot of the times people are signed up for spring races that aren't until April or maybe May or March. And so it seems like November and December, well, geez, I don't really need to be doing a lot. But once you take that initial recovery time after your race, like we've talked about in the last previous podcast, now it's time to get back into things, get back into consistently training, and then figure out what you want to be doing. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about your athlete experience, your athlete's experience with this off season. Um, do you usually find that people fall in one or two camps? Some people are really motivated to train, other people are not, or do you think that there's this common thread of just ambiguity of training during this time of year? Yeah, I think it's a great thing to think about. And I think a lot of times it depends on where athletes may live because I've had athletes in Florida or Texas, for example, and they look forward to this time of year because the weather is ideal for training. And so they may plan their calendar around, um, you know, weather. I think for people that live in a colder climate, it's definitely 
uh, more difficult, especially if they don't have access to a treadmill. Uh, this becomes sort of the natural time that we see athletes decide to take a break. And I know we talked about the benefits of a short break, uh, but I think that we want to really limit that to a couple weeks and then get back on a training plan so that we don't lose too much fitness. And then this is really a unique time to uh, start to work on speed because a lot of times if we're training for longer races, we neglect that during the training cycle. Right. I love how you touched on just the different parts of the world that we're speaking to. So you might be a listener and you might be from down south and you're like, this is the prime time for training. And that's awesome. Um, But other people who are more in the north, this is kind of the time where you start winding down. Um, The weather is not as ideal. There's not as many hours of sunlight. People are experiencing like, oh, I don't really want to go out when it's freezing cold and there's no sun out. You know, no one wants to get up in the dark and the cold and and go run and stuff like that, especially if they don't have like a goal in mind or something like really driving them anymore when they just had a massive training cycle. And like you were saying, you know, a lot of athletes neglect the speed work. Um, That is a whole component of running in and of itself. And I know we just did a marathon specific training cycle throughout the whole summer, kicked that off in June. And it's been winding down. People are recovering from their marathons, but for so long it was focusing on those long runs. It was focusing on tempos and it was just a different type of focus with your training. And that type of training can be really exhausting to think about doing that day in and day out long term. But I think a lot of athletes, they can find that if they just shift that focus and realize you don't need to be training as much as you were in the summer. And it doesn't need to be those super long runs. You don't need to be doing um, as, as much mileage as you were. But there are different ways to train and different systems that we can train that actually will propel you forward and get you into better shape when it comes time to doing longer distance races again. And that's why I find speed work in this off season during the winter months is actually really ideal Um, because a lot of people don't want to be out there in the cold or on the treadmill for hours and hours on end every day. So Jason, what do you think when it comes to speed work and planning that in an athlete's schedule? Are there better times of year for doing speed work than others? Or where should an athlete be going with their training after this speed session? Yeah, it'll really depend on your uh, calendar and what you have um, for races throughout the year. But I think during an off season is a perfect time, uh, especially if you're you know months out from your next race or you don't have really much of a sense of direction. You know, you haven't thought about do you do you want to run like a five k, ten k, half or marathon? And so it's a perfect time. I know last year when we did the mile program, uh, that gave athletes a chance to run. I think a series of about five five or six uh, mile time trials. And that was really cool because I saw a lot of my athletes had never really pushed it um, as, as fast as they could before for the mile. And so, yeah, we did see quite a bit of PRs. And I think the unique thing about our sport is that every person starts running, right, on their, their own journey. And so a lot of people really haven't met their, their full potential in the shorter distances. And I think that just by pushing ourselves in new ways, for shorter interval repeats that can really start to elicit some changes that can go a long way in improving as a runner, um, even in the longer distances. Yeah, definitely. And just building off of what you said, how we've done this program before, right? So in 2020, when there were no races, we did a series of different programs to get people motivated to um, continue training, even though there were no races. And we saw huge benefits from that. A lot of our athletes were focusing on the 5k. We did that in the summer of 2020 and just seeing them take time off and build that confidence and learn how to race. There are so many benefits um, that come from focusing on that 5k. And then we did a mile program 
program later in the winter. Um, and I had several athletes who came out of that with their fastest 5K, their fastest mile, even though they didn't really have a huge interest in doing it. They thought, you know, I want to get better at the marathon. I want to get better at the half marathon. But what ended up happening when they shifted their focus for whatever it may be, the six months that we had these programs running, um, when they did go back to racing real races in the spring of uh, 2021, they just crushed it. I mean, they were on a totally different level. Um, I had athletes who were like in the 145 for halves and they were running in the mid to low 130s. And that was literally just from doing speed work. There wasn't a lot of endurance stuff going on. They weren't running a ton of mileage. It was just really amplifying how fast can you go and improving that VO2 max. And that will propel you to be faster at every single race distance. And I think, you know, when we talk about some of the athletes uh, or some of the coaches that run for PRs like Megan or Ben or yourself, you guys had a big background in doing shorter speed work throughout high school, throughout college. And so when you guys did do your first marathons, a lot of people will see your guys' first marathon times, which were all pretty much sub three hours. And they were like, well, that's just natural talent. But really what that is, is someone who capitalized on speed before moving to long distance. And it made the long distance that much easier for you guys. So can you speak to me a little bit about how focusing on speed work specifically can make you a faster marathoner? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, a journey stepping up into longer distance because like you said, my whole background was racing the mile, racing 5Ks all throughout high school and college. And um, I remember my first half marathon, I think it was in 2011, uh, maybe it was 2010. Uh, I just remember it seemed like so far and I didn't have any idea like what pace to start at. Start at. And so I just kind of picked a pace that was, I don't know, it was about 15 seconds per mile slower than my 5K pace at the time. And um that I think the reason that I was able to do so well at the half was just because of all of the mental uh, benefits that I got from years and years of, of trying to do track workouts and these shorter distance races. And uh, a lot of times, you know, when you're in the middle of an interval workout, you get to you get towards the end, you're not quite sure, like, am I going to be able to hit one more at this pace? And by doing that, it teaches you the, it gives you confidence, but it also helps you. Um, just put yourself back in a positive state of mind. Like, Oh, I can hang on for one more 400. You know, if we're running 400 repeats, you're out there for like 65 to 70 seconds at the time. So, um, you just had to really cope with those tough thoughts for a very short period of time. Like I'm talking 20, 30 seconds as you get kind of on the backstretch and you're coming around the turn, that's where it was difficult. But if you can, uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and you learn how to do that over time, it translates over into racing and racing becomes uh, a skill. It's not something you're born with. Um, you have to learn how to cope. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a really important topic just to dive into a lot of what you were talking about and the way you were describing doing those track workouts and racing. It was very much performance-based. It was like, how fast can I go racing, racing, like going as fast as I possibly can over the distance. When we start talking about people who maybe started running road races as an adult, like myself, for example, um, for me, I, I didn't really, cause going 26.2 miles, going 13.1 miles in and of itself was the accomplishment. And so it was just pretty much whatever pace, you know, felt comfortable or I could hold. I didn't really like understand there was a difference between racing a distance and running a distance. And I think the longer the race, the harder it is to go into it with that mindset of I'm going to race over 26.2 miles. Um, and even my first several marathons, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around 
what is racing a marathon look like? I don't understand because just running 26.2 miles was hard enough for me that like taking it that step further and doing racing it, that's a totally different ball game, right? And so every marathon is an accomplishment. Every half marathon is an accomplishment. But we really wanted to be clear that there's a difference between racing and going after as fast as you possibly physically can based on your VO2 max. And then there's running where you're just kind of going at a comfortable pace or maybe at like a moderate pace, uh, but you're not leaving it all out there. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it takes to make that shift from just running um, 13.1 or 26.2 versus racing and getting the most out of what you can based on your performances and like the 5K, one mile, all that stuff. Yeah, wow, what a loaded question to think about. And, you know, most people when they're running, uh, let's say most adults, they start running, right? Um, A lot of times uh, they're going to start running, workouts or just their easy runs and even their first few races are if you're looking at their splits it's going to be kind of a positive direction Um, and I think that over time doing these speed workouts will help you start to run more even it'll teach you how to pace better and I think um, the way we start to reach our potential is we we start to have a lot of experiences with um, positive split races even split racing and then even negative split racing and when you start to when you start to get better control over um, having those sorts of races and those experiences, that's really when you start to get uh, move in the right direction towards your, reaching your potential. And so, um, you know, by doing workouts and trying to hit certain splits, I think that teaches you to be more consistent. And then you'll that'll start to translate over into your just your everyday runs, right? Your easy runs. And um, you know, a lot of us struggle with the marathon distance, especially running like negative splits or even even splits. I think if you can start to do that in a shorter distance event, like a 5k and you, and then move up to the 10k and then a half, what that does is that, that gives us confidence over time. And so you talked about earlier, like Megan and Ben and myself and Bree, I think that so many years of just fine tuning, um, your pacing, um, your mental training, staying confident, staying relaxed, you know, teaching yourself how to run, uh, kind of in this state of comfortability, that, that is really what is the, the, the secret sauce into becoming a better runner. Yes, definitely. And I love how you guys were talking about how it you it's a skill that you've developed over years. I mean, you did track workouts for, you know, a solid decade before you did a half or before you did a marathon. Same with a lot of the other coaches. And that's why when you went out to kind of do your first marathon, you were able to run such fast time. You had that aerobic base, but also you had racing experience. So your potential in what you could run in the half and what you did run for your first half came in very close. Whereas some people, it's just such a new thing. Like me, for example, the first time I ran 13.1 miles or or did like a a quote unquote race, I was just trying to feel it out, you know, and and that's a really long distance to try to feel it out for, especially when you're not super confident in racing and you're not really sure what sort of paces you're going to hit. I used to go into races, um, even as someone who had three or four years of running experience, I would go into races and have no idea what I was going to run. It was just going to be, oh, you know, maybe I'll feel good today and you know, you, you kind of had hopes, but I always just, I always felt like it was something that I wasn't in control over. And so what this program is really aiming to do is helping athletes understand you actually are in control. And so racing is really being in control of yourself, of your body, of your pacing in an environment 
where you're not really in control of the weather and stuff. So running is really this thing where you are in control of yourself. You know exactly what you're able to do and you're building this confidence in an environment where no matter what the weather, no matter what it's like outside, you are confident in what you can run. You're going to execute all of those things. And that's a skill. It's not something that's just luck or, oh, you know, I felt good today. No, like even if you have a day where you are feeling off, usually, you know, if you're skilled at racing, you're going to still run within... 15 seconds, 20, 30 seconds per mile of what your goal paces are, even on like a really hard day. And so a lot of people don't really know this skill or they don't really know how to develop this skill. And so what happens is a newer runner, new into the sport, a lot of people will shift their focus to the marathon within the first three, four or five years of running. And then they will never give themselves the opportunity to push themselves to the limits and really learn this skill of racing because it's really hard to learn how to race over 26.2 miles. You have to practice with something shorter first. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to learn how to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. So we want to start with the shortest distance possible so that we can allow athletes to teach themselves how to dig deeper into the well. And it allows you to learn how to become like a gamer on race day. And it allows you to learn how to turn on to 100% and test the waters because it's a lot easier to recover from a race that's only one mile long, right? I mean, it's going to take you, what, 10 minutes tops, uh, as low as five minutes. That's a very short time to be doing it. Um, and it allows you more times to be able to race in a season. I mean, you can recover from a one mile race within a few days. Whereas if you're going to go out and practice racing a marathon, well, geez, that's going to take you months to fully recover from. So that's why we really like to focus on these shorter distance races, because there's just so many benefits here that do translate over into longer distance races. Um, And then there's just that other component of mixing things up. So I kind of touched on earlier how sometimes, you know, the big thing to do is once you've been running for a little while, you do the half marathons, you do the marathons and, you know, it's just a 5k. Like we've all heard people say, oh, it's just, you know, 10k, it's just a half. And that sort of attitude of, you know, it's not really worth it. I'm a long distance runner, that sort of thing. Um, That whole culture or maybe like counterculture of shorter distance races. Can you speak to me a little bit about your experience with people not really wanting to do the shorter distance races because they feel like it's not, you know, as big of a deal or it's just a 5k. Um, and then how you kind of approach that as a coach to get people excited about this, um, distance and maybe just explaining the benefits of switching things up because so often people are like, nope, I only do marathons. (laughs) You know, they have that kind of like attitude, which no hate on that. I've done several marathons. Um, at the time of recording this, I've done 19 marathons. So it's like, I understand that. And I used to be on that hamster wheel, but what happened is I actually got slower. And so maybe you can explain why that happened a little bit and talk a little bit about how that tendency does happen with distance runners. Yeah. Another loaded question, but very fun to think about and to talk about. And, you know, you always used to talk about when you were in, in the corporate working world and you'd go to work and your coworkers would talk, find out you're a runner, right? They'd ask you about it. They'd ask questions about it. And um, I think most people, they want to feel like, uh, you know, they've, they've reached the pinnacle with running. And most of the time that, that means you've ran a marathon or you've completed a marathon. Um, and so, uh, especially here in Minnesota, one of the most well-known races is either the grandma's marathon or twin cities. And so you want to be able to tell people that you've participated in one of those events. Um, if you talk about doing a race this weekend or whatever, 
and you, you give them the name of the 5K, they're likely not going to hear about it. And so I think that that is kind of one of the reasons why, on top of all the reasons you mentioned, social media, just the influence of wanting to do the marathon. And, um, you know, it's obviously the, the, the cool thing about the marathon is there is a lot of room for improvement there um, because you're out there running for so long. But I think, you know, one of the, the keys to success and just improving as a runner all around is to um, push yourself in, in new ways. And so I think the athletes that are open-minded and that are patient and they have their, their goals kind of laid out, long-term goals that they want to accomplish, they understand what it might take to get there. They're more willing to um, try something new, um, put off maybe running a half or a full for, you know, six months to a year. Other people, they, they, sometimes they struggle with this and all they want to do is just kind of have that next half or full on the calendar and they don't really want to take those breaks. Um, and so whatever boat you fall in, just, just be okay with reflecting on that. And, um, yeah, I think I'll add more here in a, in a bit. I'm going to let Victoria take it from here. Yeah, definitely. When you are constantly on that marathon training hamster wheel or that half marathon training hamster wheel where it was like next marathon, next half, and you never really give yourself a break from those distances, what ends up happening is your body just adapts to, you know, the stress that you're giving it and it's going to forget how to run fast, right? You're going to start flatlining if you're training the exact same way over and over again. You really need to branch out and do something new and different. And this allows your body to have new stress stimuli and make new adaptations. And I think one, you know, thing that's really important to remember is that if you take two athletes, one of them's maybe a 20 minute 5k and one of them's a 23 minute 5k and you throw them in a marathon training cycle, the person with the faster 5k time if they have the same marathon training, the person with the faster 5K time is going to significantly outperform the person with the slower 5K time um, if you give them the same training cycle for a marathon training. So it's really important to go into your marathon training, to go into your half marathon training with the fastest 5K, with the fastest mile possible, because that's going to set you up for the greatest success in your marathon training cycle or your half marathon training cycle. And I think a lot of times people lose sight of that. They think, you know, no, I only want to do my half marathon training or my marathon training, but you do need to focus on different things to get your body out of doing that the same comfort zone. And I think what it all boils down to is a lot of athletes are very comfortable marathon training. They're comfortable doing the workouts. They know what workouts to expect. And so to think, okay, I'm going to shift focus to speed work. It's a little bit uncomfortable because you don't really know what you're going to be getting yourself into. Your body's going to be challenged in new ways. You're going to be running really fast. Um, and the workouts are going to be a little bit different. And so what a lot of people will do instead of embracing that and stepping out of their comfort zone, they're just going to stick with what they know. They're going to continue to give their body the same stimulus, but what's going to end up happening is because the stimulus isn't changing, the results are going to stay the same year after year. And so then they get into this frustration zone of, well, I guess I peaked at running, but it's like, no, you didn't peak. You just chose not to step outside of your comfort zone. And so what we're asking people to do is kind of take that uncomfortable leap, do something outside of your comfort zone because it's going to pay off when you go back into your marathon training cycle because at that point it's going to be, you know, another new stimuli when you go back to marathon training. So you do need to mix things up. That's really important and also understanding that the faster you are going into that marathon training cycle, the better off you're going to be and the better results you're going to have. And then also just speaking to things from a mental standpoint. So, you know, we're coming up on the holiday season and we touched on this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast. There's not a lot of sunlight and the roads start to get icy and snowy and all of those things. 
Tell me about how your athletes will train during the off season. Is the treadmill okay? Let's chat a little bit about that. And that consistency piece is so important to address because where we're from, you can't do speed work outside for a solid three months in the winter safely. I mean, you just cannot do it. So is the treadmill okay? These are the type of questions that maybe listeners are curious to know. Yeah, good question. I think everyone's going to be faced with their own set of challenges depending on where they live and the weather, um, you know, the daylight, their working hours, and, and so on. So um, for us, like you said, you're not guaranteed that you're going to even get a good, a good day to go outside and do a speed workout um, over the course of like a week or two. Uh, you may have to be very flexible with your training. Um, if you have that access to a treadmill, then you can be a little more consistent with getting the speed workouts in. But I think it's okay to, to hop on the treadmill. Um, obviously, if you're if it's new a new concept for you doing speed on the treadmill, you're going to start with something a little bit more basic like four four hundreds and just get used to running kind of the consistent paces. All right, and see how that goes. Um, for me, I always like to do speed work outside in a flat area, preferably a track or at least a, a straight stretch or like maybe around I don't know like a rectangle, um, like around a block. That way, I can. Um, not have to worry too much about like the route, traffic, that sort of thing. And like you said, in the winter, that can be difficult to get that in because tracks aren't clear and that sort of thing. So you may have to um, wait for that perfect day until the plows come out and clean the snow off, and then you can finally have that day outside on the roads. Um, but I think just kind of being, you know, being flexible with yourself and with your training during that time um, is best if you live in an area like like the north here. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to have those options and to scope out what the weather is going to be like and try to get outside as much as possible. But honestly, winter is only two, three, four months out of the year where you're going to have those snow covered grounds where it's just not runnable. Um, And that can be a big chunk of the year, right? I mean, one third of your year is going to be winter. And it's really important to remember that over the course of three years, that's an entire year that you're going to be spending during these winter months. And so the athlete that trains consistently over the winter is going to be better set up for success and going to see better gains just because they're training more than someone who takes the the winter off completely. So you really have to think about how important that consistency is within um, just an athlete life cycle. So if you know you run for thirty years, but you take four months off every winter, well, you know that's the equivalent of. I mean, can't do the math, but like eight, eight years that you're, you're not running out of a 30 year time period. Um, but here we are, you know, winter is coming and there are other options, right? Like we don't live in the 1900s where you, you know, you had to run outside. We have technology available to us. Um, there is treadmill options. There are indoor track options. And so while I am not a fan of the treadmill, I don't love running on the treadmill. I feel like it's a lot harder for me to run on the treadmill than it is outside. It is a tool that you can utilize in the winter to allow you to get in really good shape and allow you to get these workouts in that you otherwise would not have the option to do. So I think embracing that technology and allowing yourself that window to utilize the treadmill, utilize the tools available to you so that you can come out of this winter and out of this off season in the best possible shape. And so I've always utilized the treadmill. I'm a huge advocate for getting workouts done on the treadmill. Even if you don't love it, it is such a good tool and it's going to set you up for so much success when it comes time for 
training for your spring goals. And so consistency is the biggest thing that's going to help you build that aerobic base. And so this program will allow you to be more consistent because it's giving you motivation along the way. We're going to have time trials. We're going to have a lot of exciting things to keep people motivated. And it's not like they're going to be months and months apart. They're going to be every couple of weeks. And so you always have something on the calendar looking at to motivate you, to inspire you to do that workout, to continue to be consistent. But also in terms of consistency, you have that group mindset. So you know other people are going through this with you and that can be a huge thing in helping consistency because that accountability aspect, knowing that you're not the only one doing it and that these are real time trials and real programs that other people are participating in and that you can have that camaraderie even if you don't have local races. Because I know here in Minnesota, we just do not have any races from November to... February or March, really, we don't have a lot of races. And so it can kind of feel like you're disconnected from the running community. But this allows you this opportunity to, you know, every weekend on social media, I know all of the athletes are sharing their time trials on the Facebook group. They're always going to be sharing their, you know, results. And it can really feel like you're connected to this group, even if you're not, you know, seeing people in person. It's a way to stay connected. It's a way to stay consistent. It's a way to stay motivated. So Jason, do you have any anything to add in terms of speed work? I know that you used to coach in college and you witnessed a lot of athletes become extremely fast with these speed workouts. And what can someone expect from the types of workouts that they would be getting? Because I know it can kind of sound a little scary when you talk about like speed work, especially, you know, when you're in your thirties, like we are or older, you're like, ah, you know, I don't want to like pull a hamstring or I don't want to like, you know, I'm not that fast anymore. I I don't have that rest speed like I used to. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about how the workouts are specific and how they are sustainable and everyone has their own pace ranges? Yeah, exactly. Um, When I'm working with new athletes who aren't very familiar with speed workouts, it's important that we start them off in a way that gives them confidence. And so I'll always give them like the first repetition of an interval at a slower pace to make sure that they can hit it. Um, and it, and then, like I mentioned earlier, like four by 400s is a good basic interval to start with. And then you could do some cut down uh, intervals as well, where the distance gets a little bit shorter each time and the pace should get a little bit quicker. And if an athlete can complete that workout successfully, um, you know, for example, they run the, the 1200 meter they can run a 1200 meter, say in seven minute pace, and then we'll cut down to a 800 meter at 650 pace, and then a 400 meter at 640 pace. That's the kind of progression that we're looking for. Um, and I think what that does, it gives an athlete a sense of control and confidence in their ability to dial into certain paces um, and conserving energy, knowing that they have more intervals uh, to come. And so, uh, uh, good practice is always to kind of finish your fastest interval last, because I think that goes a long way in in sustaining confidence and, um, you know, gives you a better sense of control. So when you get over to the race, you have a better idea of a pace that you can hold for that distance. Yeah, definitely. And it's important to remember that like, everything's custom to you. So we're not going to like throw some like sprints at you that you can't, that you can't hit. Everything's going to be based on what you can run your time trial in. And then we just continue to, increase from there right so we retest and we see where your fitness is at because I think sometimes in the gym setting I know I've I've gone to some of those fitness type classes or like orange theory where 
you know, there's very that like competitive nature where people are like throwing like 12 mile per hour on the treadmill and we're not going to be giving you those sort of workouts. It's going to be more specific to you, really sustainable paces that you can hit. Um, These workouts, they are a little bit different than marathon training workouts, but you're not going to be going all out. You know, these aren't, you're not racing your workout. So they're still at that 80 to 90 percent intensity it's just going to be shorter intervals at faster paces as opposed to the really long intervals at you know moderate paces like you are used to in half marathon or full marathon training and so there's not going to be anything too crazy there and everything's going to be well within your range in your wheelhouse so there isn't that whole injury fear or anything crazy like where you think you're going to pull a hamstring it's just a little bit of a different type of workout it's not going to to the extreme here um and another thing that's really important to note is that strength training really goes well with the speed workouts and it allows you to become a stronger runner. So focusing on both speed and strength at the same time can really propel you to becoming a more performance-based athlete and really understanding how to push your body and to just be in the best shape possible when it comes to doing your half or full marathon. This is the best time of year to focus on this because it's not as time-consuming to train for these events that are more anaerobic in nature. So the one mile is actually 50% aerobic, 50% anaerobic. And so you're really getting the benefits of both. And it's just really important to understand that fitness builds on itself. So whether you're training for a marathon later next year or not, this is something that can benefit you regardless of if you're training for a marathon or a 5K. There is always that piece to it. So we still are going to be doing a lot of aerobic running, but you're also developing that anaerobic system and that raw speed, which will in turn help you become faster, help you be able to be a better racer at the longer distance events. I know we talked a lot about the benefits of learning how to race these longer distance races, and we still will have tempo runs in there. We're still going to do some long runs. It's not like we're shifting completely to something completely different. Um, And we'll still do a significant amount of mileage also. So a lot of people are surprised at how similar the training can be for these shorter distance races and the longer distance races. And a lot of people from last year, our programs, were not only surprised at how similar the training was, but also how much they enjoyed the different workouts and striving towards something other than, you know, a marathon finish time and that time goal and taking your mind off of, oh, this marathon finish time goal or this half marathon finish time goal onto a different time goal allows you to kind of shift perspective so that when you do come back to that project of the marathon or half marathon, you're a completely new athlete. So you've had experience racing in different situations. You've done all these different variety of workouts. And so it's absence really makes that heart grow fonder. So there is that whole mental piece that's also really important in addition to the consistency, working on speed, all of those physical things as well. So we would love to have you join us for the speed work training. We always do a free seven-day trial. So if you're just looking to see kind of what it would be like or you just want a week of free training and working with a coach, getting to know us, we'd love to get to know more about you and figure out exactly how we can keep you motivated, running strong, and getting to your long-term goals because that's how we always look at it. We want to see what are your long-term goals 
five years out, 10 years out. And we like to help you set manageable benchmarks to get to those goals. So let's say you want to run a Boston qualifier. You want to finish your first marathon. We work with you to develop goals to get there and keep you excited along the way because consistency is key and having someone there to help guide you and keep you consistent to those really long-term goals that are in the future for you is a huge game changer. And that's why we developed this program because this is something a lot of our athletes really benefited from last off season. So if it's something you're interested in, again, fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.com. And we can get started working together right away on a free seven-day trial. Again, that's www.runforprs.com. Thanks for tuning in.